Welcome back to 100% Sports Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Glinsky. My co-host, Nathan Sable, will, will join me a little bit later. But today in episode two, we will be talking about the hometown Detroit Lions, the toughest division in the NFL, and NFL players sitting out. You don't want to miss it, so stay tuned. Welcome back to 100% Sports Podcast, Episode 2. My co-host, Nathan Sable, has joined us for this part of the episode. So, Nathan, how are you? Doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good. It's a nice day outside. Not too hot, not too cold. It's a pretty good day. So, I want to jump into it right now. You know, Lions training camp has started up last week, you know. The NFL season or NFL preseason is right around the corner. I want to get into a little bit of Lions training camp, but I want to start off with the draft. I want to give you my perspective and I and judgment of this draft. So they drafted with the first round pick, TJ Hawkinson, a tight end. We all know how the Lions are in tight ends. Uh, Pettigrew didn't turn out well. Ebron turned out well once he left <laughs> Detroit to go to Indy. That happens all the time with Detroit players. They always leave here, go somewhere else, and become amazing, like Spencer Dinwiddie. Hey, you can do that in any sport, man. Look at the Tigers. Look at uh, JD and Ricky Ricky Porcello and all those guys. Hey, look at JV. He's a sign winner. But besides that, let's get back to football. All right, so then I, I still would have taken Ed Oliver because I don't like drafting tight end. I would not like to draft a tight end in the first round. Second round... Jelani <laughs> Tavai, a linebacker out of Hawaii. Yes, he picked off Stafford yesterday, but it's training camp. But you want to know who is sitting three picks later? Oh, yeah, we know, we know. My boy. Greedy freaking Williams. Gosh. Uh, third round pick did not like a safety Will Harris out of Boston College. That basically said, what was the point of drafting Tracy Walker a year ago? I mean, you drafted a a safety in the third round a year ago, and you do the same thing this year? Don't think that's a smart move. Austin Bryan out of Clemson, he was the fifth wheel of that amazing Clemson D-line. He could turn out to be something. I like that pick. Uh, Then the fifth rounder, Amari Warrior, a cornerback out of Penn State. But I want to tell you something about this. He had the same questions and as he had the same questions during the draft process as what other cornerback? Oh, that would be uh, Mr. Greedy Williams out of LSU. Yeah, can't tackle, has no hands. Then why did you draft him in the fifth round when you could have had Greedy in the second round if they're basically the same player except Greedy is way better? Uh-huh. I think as a quarterback, you should be able to tackle a little bit better, but that'll progress. The hands thing, I don't really care about because their job is not to pick off balls. Their job is to prevent wide receivers from catching the football. Exactly. Like Deion Sanders, he he show, he did everything not on the stat sheet. Didn't pick off the ball very much. Didn't do all the, what's the word I'm looking for, the eye test as everyone likes to look at. He just, he just wasn't thrown to at all. But... That's going to end up being greedy, and we drafted a worse greedy in the fifth round. Uh, and then the sixth rounder, Travis Fulgham, a wide receiver out of Old Dominion. Very big, very big target. That That's a decent pickup. Uh, Ty Johnson, another sixth rounder, just two picks later. 5'10", running back out of Maryland. I think maybe he did something in camp which made the Lions release Theo Riddick because I think that's what Ty Johnson will end up doing. And then the seventh rounders, two seventh rounders, a tight end out of Georgia, Isaac Nada. And then five picks later, a defensive tackle out of Arizona, P.J. Johnson. Don't know too much about those two. But overall, I don't think this is a great draft. I think Hawkinson will be very good. I don't, I don't like drafting tight ends in the first round. Still would have taken it, Oliver. Second rounder, don't like. Third, don't. Fourth, I do. Fifth, I don't. Sixth, the both sixth rounders are fine, and seventh rounders don't have much to say. What do you have to say about this? Yeah, draft? you pretty much touched on everything uh, I was going to say. I pretty much agree with everything. Taking the tight end in the top ten 
never goes well, as you can see in the past. TJ Hawkinson out of Iowa had a great year last year. I think he'll end up doing some big things for the Lions. I do not think he's going to end up being the next Gronk, like some people uh, think he's going to be. But uh, I, I still have something about taking tight ends in the, in the top ten, especially at number eight. When you could have had that Oliver, who went down to Buffalo, I believe, at number 10. Um, I love that Oliver. I Man, if you could have had him in the, up in that defensive front, that would have been awesome. But, you know, TJ Hawkinson, I'm not going to be too mad about it. I don't like it, but, hey, what are you going to do? It's the Lions, and, you know, you know what I mean when I say it's the Lions. We all know what it, when you say it's the line. And then on to the second-round pick. Um, I think I almost threw my uh, phone through the TV when I saw this happen. You know, I, I watched a lot. I'm a big college football guy. I love the SEC, and I'm a big LSU fan. And I love this guy, Greedy Williams, out of LSU, who projected top 10 pick coming into the year into the draft, somehow dropped all the way down to 40 because of the reports coming out saying he can't tackle which to me is irrelevant when you're a cornerback because your job is not to tackle. If you can stop the ball from getting to the receiver, then you don't need to tackle. But besides that point, very true. Jelani Tavai out of Hawaii. Who in the you-know-what is that? They didn't even have film on this guy at the draft when they drafted him. I'm like, what the heck are you thinking? I was so mad, Greedy Williams. I love that kid. He could have been a lion, but instead he's going to the Cleveland Browns, who I think he's going dis- to he's going to – a lot of people are going to be mad that they didn't take him. He's going to prove a lot of people wrong in Cleveland, including the line. That secondary. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, that secondary. I know you're going to say in the Cleveland. That that's a prolific secondary. That's going to be good year about for the Browns. I, I I don't know if I'm buying the Browns yet. I got to see what they do this year. I think it could go bad, but it could be well at the same time. But uh, moving back to the Lions draft, Will Harris out of Boston College. I'm with you. I don't know about this pick either. You already got Tracy Walker back there as safety. What the heck do you need another safety for out of Boston College? But I'm not going to lie, I don't know too much about him. Uh, round four, you had, took Austin Bryant. He he was the backdrop of that Clemson's defensive front last year, a guy they was forgotten about a lot, obviously, back behind uh, Cleveland Farrell and Dexter Lawrence. and uh, Yeah, and then – I like him. I don't mind the pick. I know some people were saying that it was a little high. I, I don't believe that at all. I, I think he'll be he'll end up being, you know, uh, second string, third string. I don't have an issue with that. And then the, the round five pick, Amani Arwari out of Penn State, makes no sense to me. And I'm basically going to say the same thing you said. He had the same issues as Greedy Williams, yet you take him, but you don't take Greedy in the second round. I mean, come on. And he's a cornerback. You could have had Greedy Williams in the second round, and you take a Monty or Waria at a Penn State in the fifth. Look, I, I hope Bob Quinn saw something in him. But then again, he saw something in T's Tabor, and look how that turned out. <laughs> so uh, yeah, not good. Um, that pick, I have, I don't understand that at all. As for uh, the two round six picks, I don't have an issue with a couple wide receiver running back. I'm not gonna lie, I don't know too much on them. I think I, I saw Ty Johnson a little bit last year in Maryland, obviously Big Ten. I like him. He he could be a maybe second or third string on the team. Uh, as you pointed out, that they did re- just release Theo Riddick, so maybe he would uh, take over for his role. As for the round seven picks, I don't. I really do not know much on them. I, I I'll never uh, have an issue with round seven picks because I don't know who they are. And to be honest, odds are they're never going to make the team, so I can't argue. Overall, I'm, uh, it's not that great of a draft for Bob Quinn and the Detroit Lions. The only picks I really like are Austin Bryant, and I, I kind of like the wide receiver, Travis Fulgham out of Old Dominion, Ty Johnson the running back out of Maryland. But other than that, again, man, taking TJ in the first round, that was hard enough. When, when I saw Jelani Tavai's name and everybody's like, who, instead of Greedy Williams – I don't know. I'm not buying it. I hope this works out in the end for the Lions, but again, not a good overall draft this year for your Detroit football Lions. <laughs> but a thing I think TJ Hawkinson is, 
he's another basic offensive lineman they drafted, but this one, he can catch down the field. Because you see the film on Hawkins, and he's a great blocker, yeah. and as you know, the Lions are not very good in the rush since Barry Sanders retired. <laughs> so I think so I think Hawkinson is basically another offensive lineman, but I think he's going to be a very good red zone threat, a little bit like Anquan Bolden back in Oh, yes, Anquan, I remember him. That's eight touchdowns. He had 67 receptions for 584 yards. He was a very big, reliable target in the red zone, so I think that's what Hawkinson will end up doing, but I, I don't really like anyone else. But now I want to talk about the free agents. They, I think they had a pretty good free agent class. Justin Coleman, Jesse James, of course, big man Trey Flowers, and then you had another 300-pound line defensive lineman just recently the yep. other day in yep. acquiring Mike Daniels, which I I like all four of these. Jesse James I'm a little iffy on, but I like all of all the other three. And then the players that they lost, of course, Ziggy, I don't think he'll be missed as much. Of course, a big contract as well. Theo Riddick was just released, and Glover Quinn was released and then ended up retiring. What do you think on this free agent um, class? I like the free agent class overall. I uh, Trey Flowers, obviously, you know, come on a, again, another former Patriot, but, you know, I he's going to end up working really well. And the thing for the Lions this year is going to be that defensive front. They just added Mike Daniels from the Packers a couple days ago on a one-year, $9 million contract. That makes that defensive line so much better, and the depth on that defensive line is is amazing how depth they are compared to a couple of years in the past when they were struggling to find guys. But overall, I'm happy with it. The one I do not understand is Justin Coleman. He's uh, only a slot cornerback, so he's only going to play maybe 20 snaps a game, if that. And I know they paid him a lot of money. I do not have have it up right now. But the question, the only two things that Bob Quinn did not address is that right side of that offensive line, I'm not sure about. You know, with T.J. Lang retiring, and you got Rick Wagner, who's, to be honest, not as good as what he used to have been when you signed him a couple years back. The left side of the offensive line is, you know, all right. You got Taylor Decker, Ragnall, and Glasgow, but... That right tackle position, I'm wor- or right guard position, I'm worried about. I'm, I'm not. He didn't really address it, and it looks like he's going with this guy named Kenny Wiggins. I don't know much about him, to be honest, and I'm, I'm worried about that. And the other thing that I'm worried about is the second cornerback to line up next to Darius Slay. Again, Greedy Williams, but we're gonna, we're, gonna, we're not gonna go there anymore. You got Justin Coleman, but again, he's a slot cornerback, so he's only gonna line up 20 times a game. But overall in the free agency, I can't complain. The thing this year, like I said, is going to be stopping the run. And I think they'll be a top 10 team, if not top five, to be honest with you, stopping that run. Because with those, you got Sean Robinson, Trey Flowers, Mike Daniels, and Damon Harrison snacks. By the way, 6'2", 350 pounds. He's a brick wall. I love that guy. But And you got guys like Deshaun Hand. This – this defensive line is going to be the thing that makes them roll this year if they do anything. And with the, this much talent on the defensive line, it'll make the linebackers better, the secondary better overall. But overall free agency, I can't complain too much. I think Bob Quinn did a pretty decent job in the free agent market. I, I think it's a good free agent class, but could have could have addressed a few more things. But, of course, I think one of the biggest things that came off, came out of the Lions this offseason was getting rid of Jim Bob Cooter and bringing in Daryl Bevel as an offensive coordinator. Of course, he won a Super Bowl with Seattle. Should have won two Super Bowls with Seattle, but they decided to throw it uh, instead of handing off to Marshawn Lynch. That was a but dumb you... thing to do, and I don't know what Pete Carroll was thinking then, but go ahead. Daryl Bell actually didn't call that play. It was Pete Carroll who yeah. called it. And if you look at the Lions' rush numbers last year, which weren't good at all because Carrion was, was a very good young player coming out of – I really liked Carrion. I still would have thought – I still would have liked them drafting Darius Geis instead, but 
Of course, he didn't play at all last year, so I'll I'll stay with Carrion. I like Carrion a lot. He, of course, had 641 yards rushing, and he didn't play all that lot last year because he got hurt midway through the right. season. Of course, had two 100 rushing yard games, which we all know that was that took a while. But if you look at the numbers last year, 24th in total offense, 25th in scoring, and 23rd in rushing offense. That is not very good at all. And if we look at the resume for Daryl Bevel, he, of course, worked with Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, Russell Wilson, uh, Marshawn Lynch, coached the very young Adrian Peterson back in 06. And in the 11 seasons total that Daryl Bevel has been at the helm as offensive coordinator, on average, a single game, the team's averaging over 130 yards rushing. So that is something to look forward to. Tendency-wise, he does throw the ball 60% of the time, and you're looking at more of a West Coast offense. If you don't know what that is, it's a lot of zone-blocking runs, short passes, and as an extension of the run game. And we all know what short passes and running the ball a lot sounds like here in Michigan. <laughs> so I think I think the offense, rushing-wise, will be very good. Uh, of course, you know, you know Matt Stafford is eight and one with a ru- with a running back rushing over a hundred yards. So I think with Carryon Johnson with a very good running back and Carryon Johnson, of course, he's going to be a second year player. That'll open a lot more play action, like what you saw against Miami and New England. So I, I think Daryl Bevel is a much better pickup than Jim Bob Cooter. But I want to hear your thoughts on Daryl Bevel. Um, I, uh, I think he's a much better choice, like you said, uh, than Jim Bob. Uh, um, coming out of Seattle, obviously his thing, like you said, West Coast offense, his thing is to run the ball, run the ball, you pass off the run. And uh, I think that if Carrion stays healthy, which I know it's not going to happen, he's going to have a couple games missing this year, three or four with that shoulder. But his thing is going to be run the ball. And that's no problem. I don't have an issue with that. The problem is that right side offensive line. I know I said it. I'll say it again. That still worries me. And I know you said they were uh, in the 20s last year and uh, rushing. And, look, if Carrion can stay healthy and that offensive line can progress well throughout the season, I think that they could do – have a pretty good season overall rushing the ball and Stafford, like you said, eight and one, which that surprised me. I didn't hear that when uh running back goes over a hundred yards. And if they could do that, that that'd be great. It'll make that improve the lions a lot. Last year, I watched two complete games from the lions last year that I thought they played from the first minute to the last minute. It was just perfect. That was the Patriots and the Dolphins. And what they did in both those games was run the ball. I believe in the Miami Dolphins game, Carrion Johnson went for almost 150 yards, if not more. And that was one of the most complete games I've ever watched from the Lions, between that game and the Patriots game. The whole game, they were out, out front running the ball, and they dominated the whole game with the lead. They need to do somehow do put that into this season and do that repeatedly every single game. Running the ball is the key for this team. And if they can't do that, then I don't see them uh, having a good season at all. But run, run, they have to run the ball with carry-on. I know they got C.J. Anderson. I kind of like him. I think he'll be, you know, more of a power back. But, again, running the ball is the thing with Daryl Bevel. And if they can't do that, then they're not going to do anything this year. That is true. But running the ball, ground and pound, chewing up the clock, I – I don't see that working very often. That could get them as a a wild card and maybe win one playoff game. But as you know, the the league is a lot of Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball down the field. A lot of air attack. But a thing is, with this ground, it can open a lot of play action pass, which can also result in very – which can also result in a lot of yardage, scoring, and victories on the board, which – the Lions need, since Matt Stafford, he's had over 120 starts. Only nine games where there's been a rusher that, a running back that has rushed for over 100 mm-hmm. yards. That's pathetic. And if 
we and want to hear some more pathetic oh, stats. Oh, I love to. Since Bar- since Barry Sanders retired back in night right after the 1998 season, he retired right before the the 1999 training camp. They have had in a single season four 1,000 rushers. James Stewart in 02 and 2000, Kevin Jones in 04, and then you have a nine-year gap until Reggie Bush did it. He just got barely over 1,000. And then, you know, you're still sitting in 2019 and you don't have an 1,000-yard rusher. And then we go since that 1999 draft. The Lions have drafted 14 running backs and 24 offensive linemen. <laughs> Jeez. And I don't, I don't recall many offensive linemen. Or I don't recall, like, at least 30, 35% of that offense, all those offensive linemen drafted turn out to be four- or five-year starters. I understand offensive line is a very big part of the offense and in football where you need to keep – you should have at least two good offensive linemen or at least reliable offensive linemen in every position. But to draft over 20 in 20 years and not, you're not getting much out of all of them, I don't think that's very good. But this enti- the enti- if the Lions are successful, they have got to run the ball very well and proficient this year. Yeah, I can't argue with that. It's simple. Run the ball. Pass off the run. If it works, it works. If it's not, this could be another bad season for the Lions. I want to get on to the defensive side of the football. We all know Matt Patricia is a defensive guru. I I like Matt Patricia as a defensive coordinator, a head coach. I don't know about yet. And if we go into 2017, the last year of Jim Caldwell, in total defense, they were 27th, 18th against the run, and 27th against the pass. We head into 2018 where Matt Patricia is the head coach, focused a little bit too much on the defense, but the numbers improved dramatically. 10th in total defense, 10th against the run, 10th against the pass. And then you come in 2019 and you add a little bit of ta- talent and Trey Flowers off the edge, Mike Daniels, and you bring in just a slot corner and Justin Coleman. But that secondary and the little bit of that linebacker core worries me the most. But I, I think this defense will continue to progress just because you have Matt Patricia as one of your coaches. Yeah, Matt Patricia, I like him as a defensive coordinator. Um, I wish that – well, I won't say that. But Matt Patricia is great at defense. I don't have an issue with that. The problem with him is the offense side of the ball. But, again, we're past that. Daryl Bevel, I hope to God he does what he says he's going to do. But Matt Patricia and that defense, that defense is going to be good this year two reasons. One – they're going to be able to stop that ball or stop the running game, excuse me. And if they can stop the running game, that means um, they're going to be oh, – Jesus, God, I lost my train of thought now. Let me start over. <laughs> the key for this defense this year is going to be stopping the run. And with the additions of Mike Daniels, Trey Flowers, and you got snacks up the middle, and the, the that stopping the run is going to be the thing. But one – the, the key to that defense this year is going to be one person, Jared Davis. And he's going to need to improve a lot this year. I know he did a little last year, but Jared Davis is going to need to improve a lot because he is the key to the line success, in my opinion, on the defense. He's part of that linebacker core that you don't really have any big names. And I think that with that defensive line, it makes his job a lot easier. You'll be able to get to the quarterback faster, more openings for Davis to – uh, maybe get some sacks or stop the run or whatever. But I think Jared Davis is key to this Lions defense. This is his third year coming in, I believe, and he needs to improve a lot if this defense wants to, to be top 10, top 5 again, which I think they will be in stopping the run, top 5 team. Top 10 overall defense, I could see that. The secondary, I'm not worried too much about it. Um, obviously got Darius Slay. Justin Coleman, uh, Tracy Walker in the back of the safeties. But, again, the defense this year, the key is going to be stopping that run, similar to when Jim Schwartz was here many years ago. They, they're, I believe, number one in the league at stopping the run with Ndamukong Sue and Nick Fairley and all those guys. That's going to be key for this team this year. And if they could stop the run on defense, that means more times for the offense to be out there to give a chance to score down the field. 
a lot of three and outs I'm hoping this year, a lot of three and longs with being able to stop the run early, first down, second down, which and I think that's key for the defense to stop in the run, which will ultimately lead them to success. Another thing that I want to add is with the defensive side of the linebacker core, I think they'll end up moving Jared Davis to an outside linebacker because he started he start to become a little bit of a pass rusher last year. He added pass rush a little bit better last year, and now he's starting to add a little bit of more zone coverage. And you have Will Tavai, who is basically just a middle linebacker, and if you use a second-round draft or if you draft a second-rounder and barely use it, that's a waste of a pick. So I imagine Will Tavai will end up being the middle linebacker and Jared Davis going to be the outside linebacker. So that that's the only thing I have to say with the linebackers. And I want to start to get in a little bit of the training camp here. With there's no Ashawn Robinson has not shown up yet, and the non-football injuries you still have Snacks and Slay who haven't been in yet, and the physically unable to perform. That's Trey Flowers. And if we get on to a little bit as we progress throughout the week, it's been a lot of TJ Hawkinson in the red zone. He's catching a lot of passes, especially in the goal line set with Stafford. They With the goal line, they run a lot of 23 personnel. If you don't know that, that's three tight ends and two running backs. I, I don't like that because then basically the offense, or the, excuse me, the defense on the other side is still going to be rushing seven, eight guys at you, which I, I don't like that in inside the red zone or, excuse me, inside the 10-yard line. Hawkinson has been very good in this training camp. A lot of circus catches, which we all know he can do, but it's all about the offensive line. The left side has been doing particularly well, and the right side, you haven't seen much. You've seen maybe Graham Glasgow go out to right guard because he's very versatile, but that's the only thing you've seen on that right side of the offensive line. Defensively, they're start, the Lions are starting to mix in a lot more zone coverage compared to man, which they're a lot which they're more used which they're used to. But a lot of these rookies are struggling, like Tease Tabor, Amari Warrior, and the safeties Will Harris and Tracy Walker. That secondary scares me defensively so far in training camp. Yeah, I'm one not to really overreact too much during training camp either way. You know, for some players, they're going to go out there. They're going to be a star at training camp. But then you get into a game situation and then you don't know what to do. You're not, you know, they're not showing any improvement or anything. But I know, like you said, there's been a lot of talk about TJ Hawkinson. That's pretty much all been the training camp this year. Him in the red zone, all these fantastic catches he's making. He's been the best catch receiver I read in Lions training camp this year so far, which, you know, it's all in fine, but I don't take much heart to any of that because to me, regardless of who you are, I don't care what you do in training camp until I see you do it out on the field. And it's the same thing with Jelani Tavai. He picked off Stafford yesterday and Stafford ran him down and pushed him out of bounds and everybody making it, Oh, Tavai, this, you know, this could be a diamond in the rough player. Bob Quinn may have, okay, relax. First week of training camp. He picked off Stafford great. I don't care until a game-time situation comes into play. And I'm not buying preseason either. I want to see week one, week two, what these players can do. As for the rest of training camp, yes, the defense worries me. Tease Tabor has been an absolute garbage fire for the Lions this year at training camp. And pretty much the last two years. I don't know. I can't see him being on this team when training camp. I think he may be one of the first people to go. But I don't know what Bob Quinn saw in that man out of Florida. But he's Tabor, man. I'm not buying him. I This is the third year in a row where it's like, what, what, what's up, dude? Because you have not shown any improvement at all since your time in Florida. As for the offense, I'm still, like you said, said and I've said that right side of that offensive line worries me the left side I'm fine with I don't have an issue with hopefully Decker can be uh healthy the whole season I really like Frank Rag now Glasgow like you said he could play uh, I believe he could move over to the right side of the ball and then you can move Ragnow to center if you have to but it's that right side of the line that worries me and I know that uh 
TJ Hawkinson is a great blocker and all, but still, I, I'm not buying that right side of the offensive line. As for the rest of training camp, I don't take too much to heart, you know, all the reports and stuff. A lot of these guys haven't played in a while, so, you know, they're just getting in the swing of things and buying Matt Pat- Patricia's game, what, how he wants to play, buying into his strategies. So I'm not worried too much of a, too much about it. What I do find interesting, though, is I believe next week they have a training camp with the Patriots. Yeah, and, that's uh, right. Of course it's the Patriots. Who else would it be? But <laughs> I'm hoping to go down there for a, a training camp to maybe take a look at some of these guys, mainly because I want to see Brady and the Patriots, but – I, I wouldn't mind seeing the Lions, too. But uh, as for the training camp overall, I don't take too much heart to it. I just say you know, wait wait a month till the season begins when they start at Arizona. I mean, who doesn't want to see the Patriots and exactly. the GOAT Tom Brady play? But one of the biggest surprises is defensive end Deshaun Hand at in this training camp, which I think he's going to – He's going to start to come into his own a little bit more this year. Of course, they cut Anthony right. Zettel last year. I think Deshaun Han is going to start becoming a little bit more of a starter. And throughout the camp as well, Tease Taylor is getting burned by Marvin Jones and pretty much Danny Amendola a little bit too, but it's mainly Marvin Jones. I, I don't see a spot, like you said, with Tease Tabor. I, I don't think Tease Tabor is all that well. And another thing that... It's people are saying players are staying after. Oh my goodness, the the vibe the vibe is so much different this year with Patricia. The Lions might finally get over that hump. Relax, relax. It's been about a week since it started. Mm-hmm. In every in every training camp, you see a lot of players staying after to continue to work. Relax. Tom Brady starts way early before training camp with all of his wide receivers just to get the routes set and in order. Is this so much of a big deal? I don't see Stafford doing that. I just see him shooting F-150 commercials, basically. (laughs) That's all I see Pat Stafford Uh, doing. But anyway, I think that's done with all the Lions talk. I know you've been wanting to talk about Ezekiel Elliott sitting out. So the floor is yours to talk about Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about Ezekiel Elliott, obviously, not according to training camp. In fact, he decided to go to Cabo, which, if you don't know, is the west coast of Mexico, and is going to train down there while he holds out. Now, Jerry Jones has come out and said, basically, you don't need a running back to win a Super Bowl. Yes, you do. I disagree with him, man. Ezekiel Elliott means so much to that team. Dak Prescott is nothing without him. And I tell you, if you're paying Dak or you're paying Zeke, I'm paying Zeke because Zeke's still on that rookie deal. He's still, I'd say, got a lot, at least four or five years left in the tank because obviously, you know, running backs, the ceiling's pretty much 30 years old now. And I, he means so much to that offense. I do not have the stats with me, but if he does not play for them, that, that Cowboys offense and the whole team to me is not – is not nearly as good as it would be with him on the team. With that being said, I think Jerry Jones needs to grow some you-know-what and pay the man because <laughs> Dak Prescott, to me, is a below-average quarterback, and you can find another one of him in the draft in the coming years. So if you can't pay him, don't pay him. I don't think he's anything special, to be honest with you. Zeke Elliott is something special. I know with all the off-season stuff and, you know, Las Vegas, the thing with him punching the security guard and blah, 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 Jerry Jones has been been at Zeke's back, had his back for a long time, and I think it's time for him to pay up for him because he means a lot to that team. A couple other players that are um, holding out, um, Michael Thomas out of New Orleans, the wide receiver, he's got um, one year left on his rookie deal, I believe. He's asking for a lot of money, and he's I, I he did too because they don't have any other wide receivers on the Saints, and he, he's, he's proved to be one of the best wide receivers in the game. I just want to add in there, Michael Thomas did just get a new contract, I think, this morning, oh. where he got paid five years, $100 million. So 
sitting out did work for Michael Thomas. Well, there you go. As you know, I didn't pay attention. Five years, uh, $100 million, so $20 million a year, that's reasonable. I, I, I don't have an issue with paying him. He's proved to be proved to be one of the best uh, wide receivers in the game. Uh, another prolific player that's holding out, I believe, is uh, Melvin Ingram out of uh, the running backs of the Chargers. And I know he's, uh, I believe he's still on his rookie deal as well, wants a new contract. And, hey, I'd pay him too that I don't know how much more Phillip Rivers has got in the tank. He's getting older. He's 37 right now. Um, Melvin Ingram means a lot to that offense and over in, in San, or not San Diego, L.A. And if they don't pay him, I, I can't see them making a trip through the playoffs and eventually to the Super Bowl. I think Melvin Ingram means a lot to that offense. Uh, the Chargers, I'd say with him, are Super Bowl contenders once again like last year. Um, but as for Ezekiel Elliott, man, reports come out, yes, two days ago, he's going to Cabo to train while the Cowboys <laughs> stay in California for their training camp. And I saw a thing with Jerry Jones coming out saying, well, you know, you don't need a running back to win a Super Bowl. And I know we talked about this. I talked about this a couple minutes ago, but Jerry, man, you got to pay the man. And from what I've seen from Jerry Jones, he's not going to pay him, and I think he's going to. There's going to be a blockbuster trade this year that involves Ezekiel Elliott, and I, from what I've seen, he's not going to pay him a single penny, and I think he's making a big mistake because without him, the Cowboys they'll be below 500 team and will not make the playoffs. I well, I want to add in a point there. If you're an NFL player sitting out. And you're still on a contract? I mean, what are you doing? You're getting paid to do a job, and you're not doing it at all, basically, because you're upset with how the front office is handling your next contract. What I want to say is you are you are under contract right now. This can also this could hurt you if you don't have a good season. The team says, oh wait. He's, he's sat out. He's not in for the team. He's only in it for the money. Same thing with college players sitting out the bowl game or that they don't want to be at. You're getting a full-ride scholarship for your education to be paid for. Yes, I think they – I mean, under the table, I think they're getting paid a little bit. They're, oh, yeah, no doubt about that. Stories Col- there's stories. College so- sports, it's 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 so dirty, per se, college-wise, between basketball and football. There's so many things that go unsaid there. But, yeah, I, I believe that 100%. So you're, you're getting – you're not doing your job because you're not happy. Well, maybe you could perform a little bit. You should you should perform a little bit better throughout the season. And I, I don't know. I mean, you should perform a little bit better if you don't want to be in that bowl game or you don't want to be on that type of a contract. Perform a little bit better. But anyway, I don't think Dak Prescott is even a top three quarterback in that division. Of course, you have Carson Wentz coming out of an inj- off an injury. I think Dwayne Haskins is a superb is going to be a superb quarterback. Maybe not this year, but in the upcoming future. And of course, you have the Giants with Daniel oh, Jones. God, and yeah. Oh, that was a great pick. <laughs> so at least you, I, I don't think Dak Prescott is a top three quarterback, even in his own division. So if you lose Zeke, the Cowboys are done for because you need a running back to win a Super Bowl, especially if your quarterback is not even that good of a quarterback. Well, Another thing with the Cowboys, since, you know, they are America's team. They are bull crap. That's true. I Whatever. I know they are talking about things, too, about paying Amari Cooper, too. And it's like you got Amari Cooper, Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott. Your number one guy you should pay is a Zeke, man. That guy is amazing. He's so prolific, not just with running the ball, but uh, receiving the ball as well downfield. Again, that Cowboys team without him, it's going to be bad. And like I said, with what Jerry Jones said about you don't need a running back, well, I don't think they're going to have him for the season. I think this may be another Le'Veon Bell situation where he'll either get traded or eventually hold out eventually to free agency. He does have two years left on his contract, I believe. So this will be interesting how it's going to pan out. 
I want to move on to our last topic of the afternoon. The toughest division in NFL football. I definitely want to say it's the AFC North. I think the NFC North will be competitive. I think the NFC East will be competitive. And the AFC South will be competitive. But nothing beats the AFC North. You have the Ravens in there. You have the Browns, the Steelers. I forgot the other team, but they're not any. The Bengals. Bengals. But I want to start off with the Ravens. Yes, you have Lamar Jackson, who is not that great of a quarterback at all. He rushed 147 times and threw the ball, I think, what, 93, 94 mm-hmm. times? I, I don't I don't think that works. I don't think Lamar Jackson is all that great. Um, but that, that defense is gonna keep the Ravens in all these games. You did lose your pretty much your entire linebacker core and cornerback, one of your top cornerbacks, Tavon Young. You lost Terrell Suggs, Zadarius Smith, and CJ yeah. Mosley. But they did pick up safety Earl Thomas and another quarterback in Justin Bethel. Of course, they picked up Mark Ingram. And I don't like people saying, oh, the Ravens have three Heisman Trophy winners. Uh, One of them is old. One of them, RG3, is your backup (laughs) quarterback. And your starting quarterback is a Heisman Trophy winner, but he can't throw. He threw for 1,200 yards and nine starts, six touchdowns and – or excuse me, seven starts. He threw for 1,200 yards, six touchdowns, and three INTs. And he's rushed the ball more than any other quarterback in NFL history. Defensively, they're five. They're fifth against the pass last year, fifth against the run. And they're offensively, they're second in the run. I wonder why. And they're 22nd passing the football. But they, I love this draft pick. They drafted Marquise Hollywood oh, yes. Brown Hollywood out Brown. of Oklahoma. Out of Oklahoma, and they did pick up Jalen Ferguson, an outside linebacker in the second round, which I think will will be a very big part of rebuilding that deep that linebacker core. And now I want to go into my favorite team out of the AFC North, the Cleveland oh, yeah. Browns. Offensively, or excuse me, defensively, they're 18th against the run, 17th against the pass, but they had a decent free agency. They still have Miles Garrett. And that pass, excuse me, that secondary is just getting better. Demarius, Demarius Randall, Greedy Williams there. Excuse me, Denzel Ward is in there as well. He was just a rookie and made a Pro Bowler, a Pro Bowl. You still have Miles Garrett in there. The only question is, is going to be that linebacker core because I don't. I, they just have Joe Schobert back there, um, and then they also gained Odell Beckham Jr. They gained. Kareem Hunt, who was released from the Chiefs, still didn't think it was a smart move by him, but he still gets in the league somehow. He's going to be suspended the first half of the season. They picked up Sheldon Richardson to really help out that defensive line. And the question is just going to be that linebacker core. Baker Mayfield last year, remember, Baker Mayfield and Nick Chubb didn't play under Hugh Jackson at all. It was a lot of Tyrod Taylor. But Baker's stats, he threw for 3,700 yards, 27 touchdowns, and Nick Chubb rushed for nearly 1,000 yards at 996 and 8 touchdowns. And another thing with this Browns team is there's going to be a wide receiver that breakout that breaks out. It's There's going to have to be because I don't think any – because everyone's going to be focused on OBJ and Jarvis Landry. I think a wide receiver that comes out is Antonio Callaway out of Florida last year, 586 yards and five touchdowns as a rookie. Another question I have with this team is, what is Baker Mayfield going to do when Jarvis Landry is saying, I'm open, OBJ saying, I'm open, and you're, or you have Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb saying, just hand me the ball. I think that's a little bit too much pressure on a, on a quarterback in Mayfield in a, a very big situation. The Browns are either going to be very good or very bad. That's what I'm going to say. And the last team out of there, out of the AFC North that is a contender, is going to be the Steelers. Last year, defensively, they were fifth against the pass, tenth against the rush. Offensively, they weren't that good, but they also didn't have Le'Veon Bell for the entire season. But Big Ben is still producing numbers at 37 years old. 
They're second in the pass, 31st against the rush. They have a great secondary with Joe Hayden, Artie Burns, and Mike Hilton. They still have Cameron Hayward and Stephon Tuitt back there, but you do lose uh, age, or not Adrian, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bilt, two big pieces to that entire offense, but they do gain Devin Bush, Dante, Moncri- Dante Moncrief, who is already picking, lifting up heads in uh, training camp right now, so he could be a very big addition with Ju- along with Ju- Juju Smith-Schuster. And then you also pick up Justin Lane, another big cornerback to add to that secondary. Biggest question is, is how are you going to replace Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell? I think James Conner will fit the role of Le'Veon Bell, but I don't know what you're going to do offensively. Yeah, actually, I agree with you. I think the toughest division. But I'm going to go with that AFC North. The, the teams there, the three teams I focus on are Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Cleveland. Cincinnati's a died. I'm not buying Cincinnati. They've been irrelevant in my books for the last 10 years. I'm not buying anything Cincinnati does. And by the way, and Andy Dalton is a terrible quarterback. And no, I do not like him. And A.J. Green just got hurt. So no, Bengals, 5-11 uh, and 11 season for them, if even that. But we'll start with the Ste- uh, with the Browns, actually. The Browns, I, they've been the talk of the NFL for the last year. And the biggest thing there is going to be that offense. And the defense, really, if you think about it, that secondary is amazing. But the offense, you have Baker Mayfield, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb. That's just a quarterback and your two running back duos. Never mind, you got Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry out wide. This offense can have a breakout year, and I like I like what you said about how they could have a breakout wide receiver like that. I could see that happening. In that offense against a Steelers defense who has mightily improved somehow, even though they've always been great, T.J. Watt, Devin Bush, who I, I love out of Michigan, um, Cam Hayward up front, Stephon Tewitt, Joe Hayden, Artie Burns, all those guys. I really like the Steelers defense and. The Ravens' defense as well. I know you said they lost all those guys, but the Ravens' defense is going to control their season as well. Lamar Jackson's going to have to figure out how to pass the ball instead of run so much because if he doesn't figure out this year how to throw the ball downfield, it could be a bad year for the Ravens. But the Ravens' defense, the Steelers' defense against that Browns' offense is going to be amazing all year to watch. In the end, I think it's going to be the Steelers, of all people, coming out on top. Roethlisberger's getting old. He, they're going to need to find him a replacement. I know they – I believe they drafted Mason Rudolph out of Oklahoma State last year. Um, he's getting old. He's good. They're going to need to find him a replacement. As for the wide receiver core, I'm honestly not too worried too much about it with Juju. He's turned out to be – to prove that he could be one of the best receivers in the game. James Connors turned out to be a pretty decent running back. I think they need a couple more names in there, but that defense is going to run that team. Same thing with the Ravens. The defense is going to run that team. Um, the Cleveland Browns, all the talk. Again, I think it could go really well for them, but then I think it could go really bad for them. And overall, t- if they go 8-8, eight 9-7, eight, I would say it's a successful season for them, to be honest with you, after what they've come back out of. And I think that's their goal, 9-7 and seven this year. I don't see them going any higher. I can see them going as low as 7-9 and nine maybe. But I think it's going to be the Steelers coming out of that division. And let me say something really quick about the NFC North. There are reports, or not reports, but uh, USA Today, uh, what's his name, uh, came out with an article talking about the uh, NFC North. I think I lost the article here. Where is it? Um, let's see. Nate Davis out of USA Today came out with his predictions for the league on July 22nd. And he has the Lions as the worst team in the league. 3-13. and 13. Okay, look. And a lot of the national media on the Lions, once again, is terrible. Always has been. Whatever. But if, if they go 3-13, and 13, man, and they're improved. There's no way they haven't gotten worse. They're improved. If they go three and thirteen, then I give up. I completely give up because <laughs> the defense is so much better. You added Trey Flowers, Mike Daniels, Justin Coleman. 
I mean, come on, man. There's there's no way they can go three and thirteen. Then again, I am talking about the Lions, and they would find a way to go three and thirteen. But <laughs> I cannot see them being that bad. I could see them going seven and nine, which is I think is what they will do. But three and thirteen, come on, man. That that seems a little harsh, don't you? I think that is I think that's really harsh. But they also have the Lions as their name, which they haven't won a playoff game since '91. They haven't won the division in '93. They've been, they have, they should have won a playoff game, and they were very close to winning the division a couple of times recently. But they have not gotten it done. But I don't think they'll go three and thirteen. I think their ceiling is ten and six. I think their floor is going to be seven and nine, six and ten, somewhere hovering around there. But there's no way the Lions are as bad as 3-13 and with all their free agent acquisitions and they still have a very good quarterback in Stafford. I think, he, I think he's a pretty good quarterback. I think that can get you, I think that quarterback can get you to around a conference championship game, but I don't know. I think, I think the Lions are in for an interesting season as much as the teams that we mentioned here this afternoon. Yeah, and Overall, I got them going seven and nine. I still think Stafford's a little above average of a quarterback. He had a terrible year last year, and I know reports came out a month or two ago about him playing the last two games of the season with the broken bones in his back. Okay, what the hell is Matt Patricia thinking? Putting your quarterback, your star quarterback, because he is, he is the name on that team. What makes that team run? What are you doing putting him out there those last two games and non-meaningless football games with the broken bones in his back? Someone please put Jake Rudock out on the field. I know that, you know, I'd love to see Jake Rudock play. Why not? But besides that point, we'll get focus back more on this year. 3-13 and 13 seems a, a lot harsh. I cannot see them going being that bad. 500 team is overall what I'm thinking about. Other than that, I think it'll be another – so-so year for the Lions, and I think Matt Patricia will be back again next year as the head coach of the Detroit Lions. All right, that will do it for our show this afternoon here on 100% Sports Podcast. We're available on Spotify and Google Podcasts as well. So if you like the show, please keep watching and send in some of your voice messages on what you think about the show. And my co-host, Nathan Sable, thanks for having on the show today. I loved it. We'll be back next week with another episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Like, subscribe, comment. I don't know how it works. Do whatever you got to do. But uh, <laughs> we'll see you next week. All right. Bye. Thank you again for listening to 100% Sports Podcast. We are now available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker and Pocket Cast, along with Anchor. So, if you would like, if you also like this podcast and you would like to share it to someone else who would, please do so. And we will be back next week for another episode of 100% Sports Podcast.